Thanks for listening to DIY for Business. It's Russ and Greg with you. Greg, you're smiling. You're jumping up in your seat. What? How you doing? I'm doing good. You know, the music, the intro music always gets me going. I know. I, I, I get know. the dance going. The, the energy's flowing. I'm doing well. How that, about that you? Is one of the, that's one of the things that we haven't talked about in a while, you know, is, is that you dance during the theme. But now, because we're doing this all on video over on YouTube, uh, make sure you check out the channel. Um, <laughs> because we're doing this over on YouTube now, I don't actually get to see you because I see the video and not you. So are you still dancing? During oh, the, for sure. The intro? Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's good. kind of a that's thing good. that really gets me in the zone for right. the show right. because once i get my dance going i hear the music going the adrenaline <laughs> starts pumping in i don't know i, I just start exactly. focusing and I, I get into it i'm I'm, nice. really, I'm ready to go okay well well perfect well i've got you know usually we talk like sort of a light topic in the beginning here right like we usually talk about something that's that's fairly light like you know what our kids are doing or you know whatever sure. right mm -hmm. and i i've been sort of like in the past couple of weeks I've been hearing so much uh, from, you know, people that I'm talking to about just how much like fear there is about an upcoming recession or oh. you know, worse or whatever. Okay. Right. Like there, there's so many business owners out there that are sort of, you know, doing that little recession stress. Um, mm -hmm. And it feels like, it feels like it's been going on for quite some time now. I mean, you know, we're recording this September of, uh, you know, 2023, right. It feels like it's been at least a year of, of this sort of recession preparedness, if not even longer going back to pandemic. Well, when I was doing the budget for 2023 for my company, so I was doing budgets in November of 2022, right. For mm -hmm. the following year. Um, I kind of looked at if it's heavy recession, middle recession, light recession, right. Just in case, right? And yeah. I had different plans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how I would adjust during the year if the recession hit at certain times. Mm -hmm. Now, I think we're starting to see a little bit, but I don't, it hasn't hit heavy recession yet. Right. And, and but that's the fear. Right. But to your point, I had the yeah. plan for it. I thought about it. And it's been close to a year ago that I really dug in deep and, and tried to figure out what I would do if the heavy recession hit. Well, and the, and the thing is now, you know, we're coming up on November of 23 when now you've got a budget for next year. So yeah, yeah. it's the same thing, right? I mean, you've, you've got to now also plan once more. Well, now you're freaking me them. out. Like I should plan even yeah. more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, there's so much and, and okay. So like there's so much fear, anxiety, like mm -hmm. um, just stress, uh, even, you know, burnout when you start talking about these things, because when it's always on your mind and then, you know, you've got prices of everything going up, right? Like, you know, every from yeah. from groceries to streaming services to whatever. And materials, you know, I, materials I, I've decided that once shipping. once. Yeah, exactly. And, and for me, I've decided like once the streaming services go up, that's when I go out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, it went up two bucks. I'm out. Like, well, I, you, I just. You kind of unplugged for a while, right? Uh, yeah. We tried. Yeah, we did. Uh, we tried to just do just streaming. And the problem was sports and news, uh, mainly sports, uh, was was the problem of like not being able to get it. But now I feel like it's it's changed a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. I, I will very likely be doing that again next year uh, as like fiber comes into my neighborhood. Um, Right. Be doing a little change. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's 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 just a 
I don't know. It's it's it feels like there's all these pressures out there right now. So I think it's a good time to you know kind of do a little little check on ourselves uh, and, and our mental well being here and bring in somebody that could help us and yeah. our listeners through these kind of weird times that we're living in. So we've got Mark Zola on the show. Mark, thank you for joining us today. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Thanks so much. So you want to give us a, a little a little background? On, on who you are? Sure, sure. So I'm a, a psychotherapist and I help people use psychotherapeutic tools to uh, to manage and grow their business as well as help them in their personal life um, and, uh, and their relationships. And um, you know, I've been a psychotherapist for about uh, almost 20 years. And during that time, uh, some of my, my favorite, most interesting clinical experiences um, have been involved helping people manage their businesses, whether it's a, a family business with all sorts of family dynamics at play mm. or mm-hmm. uh, someone growing their own business from scratch and struggling with growth, personnel issues, family issues. Uh, it's been some of the most rewarding work. I got a question for you, Mark, before we get into that, just yeah, because yeah. you used the term psychotherapy a couple of times. Tell us a little bit, what is psychotherapy versus other types of therapy? Um, so, so, uh, so psychotherapy is, um, kind of a, a, a catch-all phrase for, uh, therapy that is done by, can be done by, uh, licensed marriage and family therapists like myself, licensed professional counselor, licensed clinical social worker, a psychologist, some psychiatrists do psychotherapy. So psychotherapy is kind of the, the generic term for uh psychological treatment okay thank you so um i i'm 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 thinking about the time that you started this so you started this you said 20 years ago when i rewind that back like that's right after like 9 11 and and you were right there in sort of recession times Uh, yeah Mm -hmm. are, are you seeing similarities yeah yeah so there's um uh, I'm, I'm seeing a, a lot of anxiety and, uh, you, you, you actually begin to wonder is, uh, to some extent is, is it kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy? Cause yes, I started all of this back. Um, I started my practice. I think it was just towards just, just around the, where the, you know, uh, 2008 recession was, uh, was hitting. So, um, yes, it does. It does have a, a similar, a similar feel to it. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, it's, it's like, it's another pressure point, you know, it's exactly. another uh, area where people, um, I don't know, is it, is it the fear of failure with their business or is it like just the, the stressors of not like, not being able to grow because they're afraid they're, they're pulling back. Like what, what are you seeing? Like, what are, what are business owners that you're talking to experiencing? I think, I think it's a, um, from my perspective, it's a, it's a deeper issue. Um, it's that there's a, when you're, when you're in a business, there's this, uh, a general sense that, uh, it's just business. The business is separate from everything else. And 
the you know that that's a like a line from the godfather right it's it's right. not personal right. it's just business right and right. there's something psychologically that that uh uh the idea is that oh this is a completely separate thing it's separate from my family it's separate uh from everything else going on in the world but the reality is that it isn't that uh running a business is just uh it's part of the world it's a it's what uh, therapists call it just another contextual issue um, and so I think, I think what happens is, um, when, when either the economy stumbles or people are worried the economy is, is going to stumble, it, it sort of, um, it, it hits that hard. It hits that sense that, that business is separate really hard and begins to, uh, imply that, uh, that no, 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 it's, it's not. And, oh my gosh, now what do I do? Right. I, I think it's a lot of uncertainty that kind of mm -hmm. creeps in that, you know, I, I think, you know, in opening, I was telling Russ that I plan for different scenarios and it helped me just feel a lot more comfortable that I was prepared. I mm -hmm. didn't know which way, you know, the, the economy was going to go. I didn't know it was going to heavy recession, light, or no recession at all. I didn't know, but mm -hmm. I felt like I was prepared and that helped me deal with the situation. Um, but I think a lot of people, if they're not prepared and they just are thinking like, oh, I'm just going to adjust when it happens or whatever happens, I'll be able to go with it or I'll react to it at that time. That to me freaks me out. I can't do that. But I think certain personalities, that's just the way they are. And, and, and in your situation, you're probably working with all the different types of personalities in handling, you know, however they are as a person. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how do you adjust with, you know, it may not be your strategy, but it's how they it's just how they are is how they're wired. How, how do you work with the different personality types to deal with this type of stressor? Yeah. So so a big part of what I do is is um, meet people where they're at and uh, uh, really get a get a sense of how they show up every day, get a sense of who they are, and also get a sense of, um, uh, this is where the psychological aspects come in, but really get a sense of background issues uh, around, around something called uh, psychological attachment, which I think impacts uh, how people relate to uh, external issues like, is there gonna be a recession or not, or, or as well as uh, daily issues like uh, personnel issues. And so getting a sense of a person's attachment style uh, can, be, can be really helpful in understanding who they are and then helping guide them towards, uh, towards solutions that, that make them feel, uh, make them manage the uncertainty and feel a little bit more certain in what they're doing. And the two main uh, different attachment styles, there's really, there's several, but there's really, there, there's, Secure attachment, which um, which is you know is is what it sounds like. Um, uh, person has a, a, a level of uh, grounding and security uh, emotionally, and then there's really other there's really two other extremes, and one is anxious attachment and avoidant attachment. And uh, someone who is um, avoidantly attached 
may may not see the headwinds coming, may uh, work actively to to uh, avoid them. It's kind of proverbial head in the sand. Mm -hmm. And then someone with anxious attachment uh, may overplan and be so involved in um, trying to think about worst case scenarios that uh, that the everyday of the the business suffers. And that's a lot. That's a lot of the work I do, helping people negotiate. Uh, those those two differences. So uh, does that? I, I would think that, that that those things would lead to um, like procrastination or you know fear of making decisions or fear of. So it it really it it does make it difficult to move forward. And I guess we go back to the self fulfilling prophecy thing. Like mm -hmm. our we because like maybe we don't want to make a commitment to like an advertising agreement or something like that you mm -hmm. know for a year because we're not sure of what's going to happen in the next year so we want to make a shorter term uh so well that hurts the person that is we're buying the advertising from and from that company so is this like fear and anxiety around this just like worsening the situation overall you think yeah yeah for sure i mean i think um, I, I think that, you know, running a business doesn't change you. It, it exposes you, it exposes who you are. And, um, and so, yes, all these, all these kinds of issues, um, bubble to the surface, but what's different about running a business from a psychological perspective is, uh, it's a very, uh, it's a very lonely endeavor. So with the exception of, you know, maybe having a partner or some partners, um, you're, you're really often doing this. Uh, doing this on your own, uh, which which uh, really really magnifies uh, issues, certainly around around anxiety. Yeah, one of the anxieties and fears that I know business owners have, and to Russ's point about a recession coming, is oh, if it's a heavy recession, I'm going to have to cut staff. I'm going to have to you know terminate some people, and that's you know. Uh, you know, if you've had a, a team that you've developed relationships with over a long period of time, you know, trying to make those cuts could be very difficult from an emotional point of view. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that I've seen a lot of business owners just avoid having to make those cuts to the detriment of their company. Or some people are like heartless and they go, I don't care. It's business and I'm cutting them. Right. And, and I don't mm -hmm. care if they've been with me for 20 years. Um, like where does the emotions come in and how do people deal with that type of a decision of like terminating people that they've had relationships for a long time? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And, and again, um, those sorts of decisions uh, cannot not uh, be tied into uh, past past emotional, past psychological issues for for any person. Um, the uh, there's an idea that anything we're we're experiencing now isn't isn't completely unique. In some ways, it's a re it's a reminder, or it's similar to something that happened in the past. And so often I'll work with clients in helping them understand how a current situation, for instance, around uh, making determinations around layoffs, 
how that may or may not be similar to some experience they've had in, in the past. And you would be surprised how many of these situations really bring up uh, family stuff around uh, around around uh, disappointment and around fear and around loss. And so uh, j just a kind of a deep dive and in, in exploration into uh, how these feelings aren't something that's coming up in isolation help someone become more pragmatic and pra practical about what to do in the moment so that they don't swing from, you know, one extreme of let's lay everyone off to another extreme of, well, let's keep everyone on to the detriment of the business. I, I think that too is like, that's, it's something where um, like these major traumatic events that we've had, right? Like we go back to 9-11 or, you know, the, the, the COVID uh, mm -hmm. lockdown. And, and I mean, those were very traumatic events that we all experienced, but I think also even those other minor traumas that we've had in our life could come into play in this where, you know, like, and, and I think figuring that out is, is such a big part of it, you know, figuring out like, what is the cause of what you're thinking about? It's almost like in a way and, and taking this over to business, it's like, okay, well, this, you know, whatever widget that I'm selling didn't work out. Well, why? Like, what was the, what was the reasoning behind that? Why didn't it work out? Was it not right for the market? Was it not right for this? And figuring out the why, right? Like as business owners, we think about that and we try to figure that out for the widget that we're working on. But I think so often we forget to think about like, well, why are we feeling this way? Why are we doing this? Hmm. And trying to figure out that why. Because you can't yeah, right. really spreadsheet that as easy. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and then and then noticing um, that the that uh, while this you know the widget widget failed in the in the past, and I'm I'm noticing that uh, I'm anticipating that the next thing's gonna gonna fail because the last one mm -hmm. failed. And gee, I wonder what, why am I, why am I thinking that way? Why am I feeling that way? What's that about? And beginning to notice those patterns, it's called, it's called mentalizing, thinking or, or metacognition, thinking about thinking. So rather than just allowing yourself to think things, notice why you're thinking in, in those patterns, because, you know, the, because something failed in the past doesn't necessarily mean this new idea is going to fail. But to the extent that you're stuck on this idea that that failed, so this will fail, is an interesting thing to explore, an interesting thing to uncover, and then sort of peel back and realize, well, those two things aren't necessarily connected. And to the extent I'm just focused on it, I'm actually creating a self-fulfilling prophecy that way. Right. Yeah, I, I got a question on the flip side of that. How do you deal with people that are so confident in their decisions, even though they fail one time after another after another, but they think my next way of doing it is going to be the right way? I, you know, they just and they won't seek help because they're so ultra confident in just their own decisions. Yeah. So, well, uh, obviously, if they're not seeking help, I won't see them. But, right. <laughs> but but what you're what you're describing is um, more of an avoidant uh, personality style where uh, it, it, and where everything is everything's fine, everything's okay, everything's gonna be great. And those are a little bit more tricky to work with because they're very good at 
at keeping distant, right? They're, they're less likely to engage someone like me. Uh, there's less likely to engage feedback from others. Um, but if I, if I do have that kind of uh, client, which, uh, which does happen not infrequently, um, I, I will ask those kinds of probing questions. And if the, if the person is um, sort of avoiding or minimizing or resisting those probing questions, I might ask about that. I might say something like, hey, I, I notice when I, when I ask you if you uh, polled your staff or did a recent survey of employees, I, I notice you you kind of pull back from that, and uh, you seem you seem a little bit dismissive about that. Tell me tell me more about that. What's that about? And mm-hmm. so, really, um, with uh, with compassion and kindness and understanding, but being pretty direct, I try to get into that and understand what is the purpose of that avoidance, and that's where you you can sometimes get into. Uh, deeper sort of lifelong stuff about where this comes from. And so that uh, so that the person can one, notice it and two begin to sort of chip away at that avoidance and, and realize it's it's uh, safer to move towards things than they may have thought. You know, you mentioned the um, uh, taking an employee survey and, you know, we've had we've had people on the show that, you know, kind of like say, oh, well, you know, you got to take that stuff with a grain of salt, or maybe that's not the best way to do it. Maybe they're not the most informed because they don't know the budget and they don't know the true goals of the company. They don't know various things. So you have to sort of take that with a grain of salt, uh, those, those surveys that you're doing or the feedback that you're getting from employees. So how do you balance that where, and I know this is like an impossible question (laughs) sort of, but how do you, what's the best way to sort of start a balancing act of, uh, taking the data with a grain of salt, but also taking it to heart and, and, and figuring out so that you can move forward? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and I think it can be, uh, I think feedback can be super helpful because it allows you to see patterns that exist, right? You, you, can't, you can't get the feedback and deny that a pattern exists. And where this, I'll give you an example, um, yeah. Okay. I'll give you an example of where this where this could be helpful. Imagine imagine you have uh, a business owner that is struggling with personnel issues. Um, I'd say on the more anxiously attached uh, spectrum, and spends lots and lots of times uh, making sure everyone's happy, dealing with personnel issues uh, so frequently, uh, kind of walking on eggshells to make sure everyone is happy. And has a has a few uh, uh, issues with um, s- some problem employees or whatever you want to call it, and then does a, a survey and finds out, you know, ten um, percent uh, of the employees are really pretty unhappy. Ninety percent are incredibly happy, and that overwhelming evidence that. From a personnel standpoint, the business is doing well. That ninety percent can be really, really helpful to the person who is mired in the negative thinking about, um, you know, everything is going south here. So I, so I do feel like yes, you take it with a grain of salt, but I do feel like getting that kind of feedback uh, can be can be really helpful to someone who's who's running a business and is uh, 
focused on focused on the the individual trees a little bit too much rather than the the forest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that um, you know it, it's really difficult for people to. You know, the, the example that I gave you earlier that, you know, I don't really want to get help. I kind of know what I'm doing. The next thing's going to work. And then when they take a poll, they go, oh, if it doesn't agree with their agenda, mm-hmm. you know, or their direction, you know, they don't accept the data, even though sometimes it's it's pretty overwhelming. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, would, I want to go a different direction because your background is also in couples therapy, family therapy mm-hmm. and Russ. Um, you know, has worked for a company that it was a husband and wife that were, you know, owned the company and kind of ran a lot of decisions. And I'm just curious, I've never worked in a company that way. Um, and my wife has never joined me in running any of my companies. <laughs> like, how does that dynamic impact the, you know, the relationships with employees and staff and management when it's kind of a husband and wife running things? Yeah, well, that's that's a great question, and I think, you know, there there are some uh, general guidelines for what makes a couple relationship work, what makes it go, uh, what makes it better, and again, you you can't separate those things from that couple now. Instead of just existing under a roof at home, that couple is now existing in a in a workplace, right? This the same. Uh, the same the same issues are at play. So, for example, there's there's some research that shows that <clears throat> for uh, every one negative interaction in a couple relationship, or actually in, in any relationship, but we'll talk about couples for now. Uh, for every one negative reaction, uh, negative interaction, there needs to be five positive interactions in order to inoculate the relationship. From the damage, oh, potential wow. damage of that one interaction. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so the bad news is the ratio is 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 skewed, right? The bad news is you need yeah. five good ones for every one bad one. The yeah. good news is that these five things can be very small things. They can be very small things. It can be, uh, it can be a compliment. It can be a glance. It can be a smile, and it can be a touch. Um, and, uh, you know, so that, that five and one rule is really important. Um, and it can happen. It can happen in the workplace. I think often what happens with family systems that then get involved or are involved in family businesses is sometimes when things go wrong, it's because all of that stuff goes out the window and they, they say, oh, we, we don't have time for that five and one nonsense. This is a business. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, but that's where uh, the yeah. five and one the five and one stuff is is uh, even more important because you've got um, as you said you've got all the employees uh, in that system uh, experiencing everything and the value of them experiencing a good five and one versus uh, something else uh, makes can make the difference between a, a a healthy and a toxic work environment. Yeah, actually, there's, uh, you know what, you you flipped my question here, because I was going to chat about, uh, like, you know, being a workaholic and whatnot. But I, I do want to get to that. But before I do, you mentioned toxic workplace. Uh, that is out there. And, and it's it's a little too extreme. I mean, um, 
you know, in uh, in radio, I worked in radio for a little bit. And while my station, one of them was a little toxic, I would say. One of, one of the places I worked was a little... <laughs> right. Where people were sort of like, just, yeah. Uh, nobody felt good about um, being there because of the, the, the toxic environment that was being created. And a lot of people say that, you know, it starts at the top and rolls down. Uh, we're talking to business owners here. How do we help to prevent that in our company? Because toxic workplace just leads to upset employees. It leads to so many problems. And, you know, I, I think it, it you know, it, it's, it's probably responsible for a lot of downfall of companies. Um, mm -hmm. So how do we help to foster a better culture that's not going to be toxic? Yeah, I, I think that this is very analogous to parenting, to good parenting. And I don't mean to suggest that the business owner is a parent of the employees, uh, but there is, you, you know, you can't deny the hierarchy, you can't deny the power dynamic. And so there, there is something to be gained from, uh, from instruction of, of good quality parenting. And uh, if, if I think about it as a, as a family therapist, well, what, what does good parenting entail? Good parenting entails unconditional love and kindness and, and clear limits, clear boundaries uh, from the get-go. That's it. That's, that's what you need. And I think too, too often... When things go south, whether it's in business or in a in a family, it's because those things aren't applied consistently. And I I want to be clear that I don't I don't mean that uh, unconditional love and unconditional kindness from the point of view of you accept everything. I think just just the opposite. I think uh, you can be clear and kind and considerate and in a family uh, loving while at the same time uh, making clear expectations about about life about what's what's okay and what's not okay so for instance if you're dealing with a kid with uh with homework uh, a kid who's not doing the homework you could say something like um yeah i know it's really it's really hard it's annoying to do homework some sometimes i get it i get it i was a kid too i understand it's really hard but you got to do it that's what it is. You know, it's, yeah. it's expected. You got to do it. And it's the same sort of thing at work. Um, hey, I know things don't, don't always uh, go great. And I know that uh, sometimes things can be challenging, but this is what we've got. We've got to do the best with what, with what we have. And that's very different than another extreme of it's my way or the highway, deal with it or get out of here. Or the other extreme uh, well, let me change everything for you so that you're happy 100% of the time. It's got to be the it's got to be the middle way, and uh, that has to be applied consistently. So again, I think looking at uh, parenting models is is a really great way to uh, to prevent and even manage toxic environments. Well, it's it's all communication, right? And how mm -hmm. dealing with other people and you learn those lessons. Like I've said on the show before, that I I learned probably more about management um, by 
coaching little kids uh, soccer and uh, you know than, than anything else because you know you're dealing with very extreme situations and very strong characters. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. It's the parents, not the players. Exactly. 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 <laughs> well, the, the players are fine. It's the parents. <laughs> well, what actually brings me to another question that I, I didn't think of it earlier, but you know, talking about toxic environments, sometimes a parent could be the cause of the toxic environment. And sometimes in a, in a company, it could be a, a highly influential person. Let's not call it the owner. Let's call it a manager or just somebody that is kind of the alpha personality of a company. And they have an agenda and they're influencing people kind of in their way, a direction that may not be consistent with the ownership. And the ownership is worried that, oh, if I discipline this, this alpha personality, he's going to influence all of his followers and then I'm going to lose employees or they're going to, you know, revolt. I don't know. I'm just taking this extreme. But, yeah. mm -hmm. um, you know, same type of thing with the parents of the soccer team, right? If you've got this one alpha parent that's talking to all the other parents in the stands and then all of a sudden everybody hates Russ the coach. Right. That's a bad thing. And then obviously they're talking to their kids about Russ. Oh, he's a bad coach. He should have told he should have played you more or whatever. <laughs> How do you deal with these situations where you got those one or two big personalities that's really tainting the, uh, you know, the company or the team in, in Russ's case? Yeah, you, that's a great question. You you there is no avoiding it to the to the extent that you avoid a situation like that. Um, it will only fester and grow and get worse. And so those sorts of things, I'm a big believer, uh, have to be uh, met, met head on. Again, with, uh, uh, with kindness and compassion, but also boundaries. And so that would start with um, pulling that person a, a, aside and having a conversation with that person and making clear what your expectations are. And give that person every opportunity to follow those expectations. And if that person then doesn't, um, then there may be a time where you, you need to decide that uh, that that person doesn't fit with the values of, of the organization and has to leave. Now, if that happens, is there going to be fallout? Yeah, there likely will be fallout, but there was going to be fallout anyway. And it's better to, uh, you will look like more of a, more of a leader to, the remaining people, um, then to, then to let it, let it fester and, and go on for, for months and years. Great advice. Love. Yeah. That. And, and, you know, I, in those like situations, um, so early on when I first, you know, had my, uh, my business, um, I, the, like one of the first people I hired, like, I don't know, in the first, like, I don't know, the first five or six people that I brought in, um, I had a management issue that I had to deal with. And like, I didn't, you know, like, I'm like, you know, as we've talked about on the show, nobody's trained to be a manager. You're just like thrown into it most of the time. Right. Well, some people are, but it's, it's, it's never going to let you deal with every possible situation. So I literally, like I, I went to, you know, this will, this will date it. I went to the bookstore and, and got a book on management and I read the book the night before I had to meet with this person and, uh, you know, there was some good advice in the book and whatnot, but really like what came into play was, um, just ripping off the bandaid, just saying mm -hmm. what I needed to say and saying it right from the start. 
And so I learned that like early on of just like, just say it because if not, it's like just sitting in my mind and what it's doing to me. And I don't know if this does this to others, but what it's doing to me is I'm just thinking about that, thinking Mm -hmm. about the thing that I want to say and the thing that I need to do. And I'm not really listening to what the other person's saying. Like it's not creating this, this communication. So it's like a failed communication for me when I, when I do that. So, you know, um, when I've had to let people go and I go in and I tell them in, you know, plain language, um, you know, we're, 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 we're going to have to eliminate your position or we're going to have to do this, or we're going to have to do that. And you make it clear that, you know, so there's no like of them wondering what's happening or wondering what's going on. Um, and I just feel like that's the best approach of like, it starts the communication because I've, you know, had to, I've unfortunately had to let people go, which I, I never liked doing. And um, when I've had to do that, um, I've always tried to rip off the bandaid right away and then have a conversation about it so that they understand what's going on. And then I don't think I've had a, 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 a situation where I've let somebody go and it hasn't ended with a handshake or a hug or something where, you know, there's some sort of good feeling at the end because we've had those conversations. And I don't think it's anything special that I'm doing. I think it's just that I'm taking the time to, you know, listen and um, just right out of the gate, say those things, you know? So before Mark answers, I have to, you know, jump in because I've, I've witnessed this, you know, Russ and I worked together, you know, Russ has had to lay people off that, you know, worked at our company. And I think the reason why they do shake your hand at the end and don't punch you in the eye is because they know you sincerely cared about them as a person. And it is a decision that has to be made, but you did care for them personally and they felt that. And I, and I think that was, you know, part of your strength as a manager is that everybody knew you kind of had their back. Yeah. And, and well, actually, and that's, that's almost, that's like where I'm going with this too, is like, where, where is that line of like, you know, or how do you, how do you make that call, I guess? Or how do you help to inform that call of, you know, making a big decision that you know is going to change somebody else's life um, because it's better for the business? I guess it's the, you know, like the, the old way of saying it would be, oh, it's just business, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's that's not right anymore. I mean, business is your life. So how do you do that? Like, how do you make sense of that in your own head? Yeah. So most most emotional distress is anticipatory. It's a it's imagining something that's uh, that may happen, that may need to happen, and uh, causes causes emotional pain, causes anxiety, causes, causes depression. And overwhelmingly, we're, we're getting evidence that the way to manage that is not to, not to avoid those things, but to move through them, to move through them uh, uh, gently, but to move, but to move through them. And from a, a psychological standpoint, we see this in working with people that have uh, uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, uh, with people who have uh, anxiety, with people who have phobias. The, the answer ultimately is always 
learning how to experience and tolerate the the distress as a way to make the the anticipated event have less power over you and the parallel in business is if something keeps coming up if you're thinking about something or uh, the same issue keeps coming up over and over again that's that's a time to look at okay do i need to take action do i need to to uh, make some kind of decision here and to what extent am I avoiding a decision because I don't want to get hurt? I don't want to hurt someone else. I don't want things to, to blow up. And, and often those, uh, that anticipatory anxiety is, uh, is often overblown. And so I do a lot of work of helping people move through these decisions. And, you know, the, the decisions need to be uh, thoughtful and considerate, um, but sometimes they, they, uh, uh, they do need to happen, and it's uh, it's it it is a uh, it doesn't help to to stay stagnant and allow the the anxiety about it to fester. Greg, I know uh, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in with with my uh, one more question here. Sorry, uh, just <laughs> but um I I was gonna ask earlier about. Um, because one, one of the other issues that I see a lot of business owners del deal with, and I've dealt with it myself, and sometimes I continue to deal with this, is the guilt of not working, right? Like, mm -hmm. I'm, I should get this done. I should do this. And it's a bit of like that. I don't, I don't know. I don't think, um, you know, uh, workaholic is actually a, a true term, but <laughs> it's, uh, or, or recognized in the, the, I forget what the thing is called now, the psychological, the uh, psychotherapy uh, the no the the there's there's the book uh, anyway um but i don't think it's 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 recognized as a true thing but i know that the guilt like the guilt of not working like it happens so often for business owners it's like well you know i i could go out this weekend i could go do this this weekend but i have all these things that i could do and if i don't do that well it's going to either you know hurt me or hurt my team or hurt something so let me go do those things and I've seen so many business owners deal with that and struggle with that. And like I said, I've dealt with it myself. How, what do you do when you see that with um, business owners to get them past so that they have more of like this work-life sort of harmony, harmony that's, that's happening, this harmonious relationship between mm -hmm. work and life? Because I, I don't think balance is the way to do it. I think harmony is the way to do it, to make these things work together and be okay and leave for a little bit and come back yeah. and take yeah. the walk or take, you know, whatever, just to to do something for yourself instead of focus on work. What do you, what do you say to those business owners? I, I'm a big believer that the way, the way people use language to talk to themselves, and we all talk to ourselves, but the way people use language to talk to, the, to ourselves is um, uh, a big determinant of how you're going to feel. So if I can give some examples. So if, if you tend to use language like, uh, I'll call uh black and white language, like all or nothing language, like I should, I must, I have to, always, never. If you find yourself using lots of phrases like that, you're, you're, uh, it definitely causes emotional distress. There's clear research on that. And, um, but the, the, the other issue is that that language often is inaccurate. There were very few things in life where, uh, where 
it's a it's a must or it's a have to. And so I work with people and helping them uh, work on their their the language that they use internally to change something from I must or I have to or I should to it would it would be nice um, because the the way we talk to ourselves really matters. So for instance, you know, if you went to you went to the counter at McDonald's and you were going to order French fries, you, you wouldn't say, I must have French fries. I must have them now. Right. You would say, I'd like an order of fries. Right. And we know this when we talk to other people. But for some reason, we use a shorthand when we talk to ourselves. And that shorthand is really powerful and often pretty insidious. And in fact, mm-hmm. um, psychotherapists use the use the phrase uh that when when people are using should uh, too much, that you're you're shooting on yourself, because uh, <laughs> should right. is a is is a really sort of insidious insidious word. Um, it it is it's really a command if you think about it. It really means whenever you're thinking to yourself should do a math substitution of must because you're really saying must. So. Um, uh, so helping people explore that black and white language and helping them really make an effort to change the words that you say to yourself really makes a difference, makes you more tolerable of, uh, of yourself, of the world, and makes you treat yourself as well as uh, you treat the fry guy. You know, Mark, uh, you, you, you never met my wife when she was pregnant with our first daughter because she must have the, the <laughs> McDonald's cheeseburger and fries when she was pregnant. There was a must. There was no, there was no should there. It's funny. <laughs> my, my wife was uh, in and out. Uh, I, I ate so many in and out burgers at 10 o'clock at night because I <laughs> <laughs> must and, have and really it. what I'm learning, Mark, from this conversation that we're having, and I really appreciate you sharing this knowledge with us is that so much of what the advice that you're providing for these business owners, you know, from a psychological point of view, really just works in life in general. I yes. mean, so much of what you said, you know, you can totally just translate mm-hmm. and say, this is how it should be for all relationships, not just in work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's yeah, absolutely so right. Thank totally. you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think the, the thing that, when I think about this, right, and I think about the advice that you've given, and I, I think about uh, like a business owner talking to somebody to to get a little therapy, to get a little help, to get a little understanding, like the the better we are as an entrepreneur in, you know, understanding ourselves, the better we can understand the team and the people that we're working with, the clients that we're working with. And I feel like what it does too is if you're understanding yourself and you're setting these grounds of this kind of nice culture at your company where it's not the toxic environment, it's a it's an environment that you know that you want communication, that you you know you want people that want to be heard. You're talking to people with respect. What that does is that breeds more of that, and the people that you're going to hire see that. And so you're going to get the right people into your company. So you're actually going to deal with less issues like this, most likely at some point, because you're you're now screening for that in during the hiring process and trying to you know bring people in. So it's, I guess it's the second use of of harmonious in in this conversation. Um, it's my word of the day, I guess today. But mm-hmm. it's sort of it does create that I think. So I think you know it's an it's a nice way to look inward and and focus on yourself and then you know move that out to the rest of your business. 
Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Okay. Well, I, I guess I learned something today. <laughs> so did I. So did I. Mark, uh, if people that are listening wanted to reach out to you, how do they do so? Uh, sure. So uh, they can visit my website at markzola.com, M-A-R-C-Z-O-L-A.com. And I do uh, uh, individual couples, family therapy, and uh, business coaching as well. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for joining us today, Mark. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It was great fun. Great advice. Yeah, yeah. And thank you for listening, subscribing, and reviewing DIY for Business on your favorite podcast platform. And also over on YouTube, you can see uh, the expressions that we make while um, you know we're, we're doing this little show. Like you can see Greg chuckling um, uh, when, I, when I'm asked. It's fun. Check, check it out. You know, and, <laughs> uh, the subjects uh, that we cover on this podcast are selected with the goal of helping your business grow. All of the information provided is opinion-based and we, you know, you should call it. I'm, I'm trying too fast here. I learned too much today. All of the information provided is opinion-based and you might want to consult a professional to discuss your exact business situation. Greg and I want your company to succeed and we are happy to take your questions and we would also love to hear your suggestions for future episodes. If there's an area of your business where you need some solid advice or some help, let us know and we might be able to build an entire show around it and get your questions answered. You can also reach out to us. Uh, you could just send a message uh, to our website. Just head over there. There's a little contact form diyforbusinesspodcast.com we also love talking to business owners so if you want to share your business experience and what you've gone through please do reach out over there on the website we thank you again for listening and subscribing to diy for business where you are not alone <laughs>